Radio Show, your home for car talk covering the latest news to the greatest views on the biggest names in performance, sports, and just plain cool driving machines. Let's rev up the conversation. Time for Driven Radio Show. Hey, all you gearheads and car fiends, welcome to Driven Radio Show, your weekly automotive happy hour. I am the overly congested Brett Hatfield, <laughs> here with my co-host and engineer extraordinaire, Mr. Mark Groves. Oh, yeah. We are coming to you from Driven Radio Studios, and I have to start off by apologizing for taking a bye week last week, but after being on the road for a couple of weeks, going to Scottsdale and covering uh-huh. Barrett Jackson, coming back, doing laundry, kissing the dog, and going to my sister's wedding in San Diego, mm-hmm. and then coming back, I am absolutely convinced be, with with no reservation that commercial airliners are the biggest freaking germ factories on the planet. <laughs> Those things have daycare smoke. Dude, they only, they're only missing the needle on the front oh, for what they do to you. For the love of God. So my wife and daughter and I all came back from San Diego with COVID. You know, I think it's probably 10 or 12 years ago when swine flu made the rounds. Oh, yeah, yeah. And we had that, and that's as sick as I've ever been, and this felt just like that. So I wouldn't uh, wish it on anybody. Anybody who's had COVID, I, hats off to you. I'm, I I feel for you. I absolutely do. Well, I'm glad you came out the other side upright and uh, and yakking. I got to hand it to the doc who prescribed me that Paxlovid. That is some serious stuff that helped wipe it out really quickly. The downside is it makes your mouth taste like a handful of pennies for days. Uh. I uh, couldn't smell or taste anything all last week, and some some of my, wow. some of that's returned. But uh, God, it was awful. So apologies for taking a, a knee last <laughs> week, but just couldn't have done it if I wanted to. Yeah, understood. Barrett Jackson in Scottsdale, yeah, was an absolute zoo. <laughs> Usually through the week, uh, their run up to the big final weekend, you wind up, you know, there's their crowds are decent, and then Friday and Saturday are just out of control. Right. Wednesday and Thursday looked like Friday and Saturdays usually do, and then Friday and Saturday it was just throngs of people. Oh, nuts! <clears throat> Excuse me, and I got to see Vlad the Impaler sell one more time. And she brought great money. She sold for just a fuzz over $90,000. Nice. So, uh, hats off to the seller and uh, good luck to the new owner. If yeah. you are a listener of ours and you ever have any questions about that Hot Rod Red 61 Impala, I'll be thrilled to answer them for you. Nice. Yeah. So, uh, But take away from the week, if you have to go someplace, drive, don't fly. <laughs> Because then you don't have everybody in a whole dang plane <laughs> spitting their germs on you. Oh, and uh, Rhonda and I are going to go down to Amelia Island here in a few weeks, and we will just pack up her little Cayenne and drive. Nice. I don't want to be next to nobody. I don't know. Uh, I think that's wise. Plus, the food's better. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it is. And uh, you can pull over and go uh, use the bathroom in a full-size bathroom, not Barbie's closet. <laughs> There's nothing like trying to use a bathroom while doing down dog just oh, to fit into you, the thing. Yeah, you, know, you can't even do that, man. You fart in one of those, you give yourself a concussion. <laughs> Standing in there, 
thinking this thing was made for somebody who's four six. I got my head cocked <laughs> sideways just to stand in. It was, it was smaller than a broom closet. Nice. Our special guests this week are Dave Kinney and Greg Engold of the Haggerty Price Guide. Dave is a lifelong automobile enthusiast, collector, owner of Amer- of automotive valuation firm U.S. Appraisal. He's an accredited senior appraiser with the American Society of Appraisers and a contributor to British magazine Octane. Greg is an avid car enthusiast, editor of the Haggerty Price Guide, a member of the Haggerty Valuation Team since 2014, and both of them have been gracious enough to come back to Driven Radio tonight. (laughs) Guys, welcome back. Thank you. Thank you. So happy to be here. I want to start off by saying, Dave, thank you so much for the Corvette ZL1 book that you brought me. I very much appreciate that. I did not realize how documented that orange convertible that sold at our Sotheby's down in Scottsdale was. Uh, that's This is fantastic, and it's a very welcome addition to my library. Good, good, yeah. Um, you know, a lot of people ask questions about the car and stuff like that. I, I really have rarely seen anything that has uh, that much documentation behind it. But it's sold, it's gone, it's got a new owner, and uh, probably won't see it again in the auction circuit for a long, long time. Is there a specific reason that there would be that much documentation on it, or is it just because somebody was like hyper attentive? Um, you know, the, I, I think the reason was everybody was like, you know, this car doesn't exist, so they went out and uh, you know uh, took whatever documentation they had. They had some stuff date coded by you know the same laboratories that the FBI uses and all that sort of oh, wow. stuff, and then you know wrote some of the story of it. Uh, and also went to my favorite part is uh, going to GM Heritage and talking to those people and, you know, getting the, well, this is what happened. And, yeah, this is the story. So it's kind of cool. It's a neat car. Nice. They, they really did dig up just everything they could on that orange convertible. And that's the one that just sold in Scottsdale. And did that went for a little over $3 million, correct? Yeah, it did. It did. Now, for- it was probably the most talked about car you know, it definitely at RM, but uh, at one of the most talked about cars at Scottsdale. Uh, oh, absolutely. I, I absolutely agree. Uh, for years, there were thought to be two ZL1 coupes, a yellow one and a white one. And then somewhere along the lines, people quit talking about the white one. But you can still, if you do a little digging, you can find a little history on that. And, and having conversations with other Corvette guys, they're, you know, over the years, there's rumors that there were actually seven or there were development mules or things like that. Hey, hey if you get too far out there, you'll fall off the end of the earth because it's flat. So don't, <laughs> yeah. don't. Yeah, well, uh, we definitely know of two, and they are very well documented. There's a possible third one that it's more difficult to uh, find solid documentation on. But. Uh, you know, with with cars, the best thing to do is never say never. I mean, you know, it's yeah. best when you're writing about something to say one of two known cars because, or one of five thousand known cars because you know another one's going to show up somewhere. I, I swear to you, you know, in the next twenty years, somebody's going to find a Duesenberg that has been lost for for fifty years. It's sure. in it's in some dude's garage, you know, in the back of their house, and you know, they, you know. His dad had it. He didn't care anything about it. You know, it was nothing. So it's been put away there. And when he croaks, uh, you know, um, uh, greedy little kids will figure out that it's worth a lot of money. Well, as a diehard Corvette guy, I'm always hopeful that another one will turn up because it's such an extraordinary car to start with. 
you're hoping in Lenexa Park, Kansas, so you don't have to drive far. Yeah, that'd be that'd be nice. I'd love to. I'd love it if it was in my backyard. That would be fantastic. Uh, sales at Scottsdale were robust, to say the very least, with total with the sales totaling two hundred sixty three point four million, and one hundred eighty two of that coming out of Barrett Jackson alone. Uh, if you add that to the results that Mecham Kissimmee turned out, which was two hundred thirty four million this year and a new record for them. Uh, this was a January to remember. Uh, was this surprising to either of you? Not really. I mean, when you consider the volume of cars that were uh, up for grabs in January, we tracked over 7,000 automobiles that uh, went up for sale this past month, 4,000 of which uh, were at Mecham Kissimmee. So, I mean, just law of numbers means that uh, you're going to see some really, really good results. Yeah, and I think that everybody is to be congratulated. Nobody had a bad sale. No. Um, uh, Bonhams, you know, they rocked the house with a lot of things. And, you know, sometimes they're they're not the leader or whatever. RM did great. Uh, there was no Gooding sale this year. Uh, Barrett-Jackson, you know, they've definitely shifted to doing a lot of hot rods and an awful lot of uh, resto mods. Yeah, they have. Um, but they, they found that market. They own that market right now. So, you know, more power to them. But the real story in January to me is always going to be Mecham and Kissimmee, 4,000 cars. I mean, you have, you know, can you imagine the mountain of paperwork that comes with 4,000 cars? No. And, and then, you know, <laughs> no. handling 4,000 buyers and 4,000 sellers, I, I, I'm, I'm in awe. I, I'm just in awe. I mean, it's, it, you know, it, it's obviously like a well-oiled city at this point, and uh Look, I mean, they they rocked it. They made almost as much as, uh, you know, as well, they sold 4,000 cars. End of story. Yeah. Well, the thing you got to figure with Mecham and Kissimmee, that has gotten to be so big that they've figured out how to scale their operation for it. And, mm -hmm. man, that's a lot of moving parts and a lot of stuff going on and trying to corral and, and work everybody you've got uh, doing stuff for you. And I can't imagine the logistical headache that is, and I'm kind of glad I'm not in the middle of it. <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm thinking with, you know, 4,000 buyers, 4,000 sellers, it's probably about 3,500 do you know who I are's out there, you know, who, <laughs> you know, who need their hand their special, you know, special holding or whatever. So, I, like I said, I'm just in awe of doing that. I, you know, I, I think of it this way, you know, a really big Ford or Chevy dealership sells what, 300 cars a month, something like that? And look at the, you know, they have to have all these people there and they don't have a title clerk. They have a bank of title clerks and, oh, yeah. you know, four and four and five F and I people and all these salesmen and everything else. They're doing 10, maybe even 12 or 13 times that. It's amazing. And they do it in a week and a half. Yeah. 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 Just yeah. staggering. So yeah. the economy so far, we haven't experienced the recession that everybody's been fearing, and things seem to be pretty strong still, and the collector car faithful really want to seem to really want to keep the party going. Uh, there were some very strong muscle car sales at Barrett-Jackson, including one. Uh, my editor had me go cover it, and he said, this is going to go for over two hundred grand." I said, you're talking out your rear. No way. And it was a 70 El Camino LS6, and the sucker sold for 275 with fees. $275,000 for the mullet of the car world. <laughs> what other things had strong showings? And uh, to your mind, what was surprising? What, what did you see that made you think, 
wow, that's that's impressive. Greg, you yeah, got for, one. Yeah, I mean, for for me, just uh, walking up and down the rows and rows and rows of modified trucks that was at Barry oh, Jackson, yeah. and, and you know, you were you were there, you saw it. There were some really really nice builds, and there were some builds that I wouldn't put in my own garage because the fit and finish was really left a lot to be desired and they sold for really big money it was oh. just a feeding frenzy of uh modified broncos there and it doesn't matter how it looked you're probably gonna get six figures for it even even if you wouldn't have two years ago there were a number of built the last the lunchtime cars there there's no doubt about mm-hmm. it uh, the one that caught my eye was the 67 corvette uh in goodwood green that sold for modified Sold for seven hundred and seventy thousand. Yeah. Uh, so that's a lot of money for a uh, you know. I mean, obviously, you know, like jewelry, beautiful car, all that sort of stuff. But can you imagine what you have to have to get seven seventy out of a uh, out of a Corvette? And here's the part that I love about it: you can take a Corvette that lost a '67 Corvette that lost its front end and its engine. Yeah. You know, in 1973, sat in a junkyard or whatever. And put it back together as a resto mod because you're not going to use the chassis. You know the car looked like seven hundred and seventy thousand, yeah. and you have to have a very special combination of of, of uh, options and quality to get that kind of money out of a out of a restored original car. Well, so, and yeah. and the resto mods now sell for a lot more money than most of the original documented cars do. And at some point, you have to be thinking, well, they put a new chassis underneath it, and they've put a new body on it, and they put a new interior in it, and they put a new drivetrain and suspension and brakes and everything on it. And it, you, you kind of wind up getting back to the story about George Washington's hatchet that he used yeah. to cut down the tree and has had three new heads and four new handles. Is it still his hatchet? <laughs> it's all, all original, right? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I I thought Barrett Jackson looked incredibly strong. Uh, Mark and I were talking before you guys came on that Wednesday and Thursday at Barrett Jackson looked like most uh, final Friday and Saturdays do when there's just throngs of people there. And Friday and Saturday, there was a zoo. You could it barely move upsetting. around. You couldn't take pictures. There was so much uh, going on there. And the that was where I was, and it just looked strong the entire time we were there. Um, uh, you know, I, I think I saw you crowd surfing there on Saturday. Is that you? <laughs> <laughs> Woo! I know, I, you know, and, and you know, it was true everywhere through. When I was at two days before the Bonham sale um, at the uh, you know at their preview, it was as big as I've ever seen for a Bonham sale the day before. Um, so, I mean, you know, everything was well attended. Um, the mood was good. Um, and you know, I, I think what happened, Brett is, is everybody predicted a recession. Everybody, everybody left, right, center, it didn't matter. And so all the experts got it wrong. Um, yeah. but you know, who knows how long that's going to last. And, you know, we're, we're here to talk about cars, not about money, but, uh, you know, that's, that's a big factor in the car world, but who knows? Um, it wasn't, it wasn't. It wasn't the exuberance of 2022 and 2021, however. Um, we did see some things that were no-sale. Then we see some, 
we saw an awful lot of, yeah, I wouldn't have paid that for that car either. I'm kind of glad it didn't meet its reserve. So, uh, you know, that's something that we haven't seen in this marketplace in a while. One other thing, I got to see at Barrett-Jackson, and this is the last time you'll ever hear me mention the car. Vlad the Impala sold again at Barrett-Jackson. I sold her last summer, and the guy who bought it uh, brightened up a few things and took her down there, and she went across the block and sold for just over ninety grand with fees. And so good luck to the new owner. If you're a listener and you got any questions about the car, give me a holler. <laughs> what, did, what, what did you sell it for? Not 90. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the, the polite way to say it is you're you're a good guy because you left some money on the table. Well, uh, <laughs> you know, you gotta figure he did a little bit of work to it, so he had a few thousand dollars in it. And if he shipped it down there from Iowa, it probably cost him fifteen hundred or two grand to get it there. I'm guessing he had to pay a little bit to get a Friday spot on the car and it crossed the block and you know, they take ten from the buyer and ten from the seller. And uh, he paid his 10% on it, and the bid was up to uh, 80 grand. So, you know, by the time you get $8,000 out for fees and then shipping and then whatever you put into it and then buying your spot, he didn't make as much as you might think. Oh, yeah, sure. I mean, and, you know, he took risk too, just like you did. So, yeah, I did. Uh, yeah, but, no, I know. I, I never look back with something like that. I, I, I sold a car that eighteen for eighteen that went for one twenty five later, and uh, you know it need it needed a lot of work. I mean, it needed an awful lot of work. But uh, you know, I mean, the guy thought I was going to be mad at him. I'm like, you know, hey, that's just the that's the brakes. I made money at eighteen. I bought it for twelve. So I mean, yeah. I, I you know, I in, in terms of percentages, I did just fine. Well, I wasn't. But that's the, the story of the one car I made money on. Yeah. So we, <laughs> I, I wasn't mad at him. Uh, she looked good. I was glad to see her, but I didn't have any buyer or seller's remorse when I saw her at Barrett Jackson. I was glad yeah. that she went across and did well. And a lot of nice comments came out of it. So uh, it, it is a cool car. It just wasn't the cool car for me. And that right. one helped uh, help finance the 65 Stingray. So I'm perfectly happy with the way the deal went. Uh, the new, oh, before we get to that, Last chance, guys, what were some of your favorite lots at Scottsdale? Mine was at Bonham's. It was the 1912 Simplex. I don't know if you saw that car or if you heard about it. Oh, my God, what a car. Um, bought new by a Vanderbilt, given to a woman oh. named Sears, who was given as an engagement gift to a woman named Sears, who was like the biggest badass sports star of the pre-World World War One world. Her father and cousin played the first game of tennis in the United States. Uh, she was a tennis champion, but she was also a uh, thoroughbred champion. She was also a squash champion. Wow. Um, she, she once on a bet, she walked from, um, from uh, Newport, Rhode Island to Boston in 10 hours and 15 minutes or something like that. Um, she kept the car until 1939. So she got in 12, kept it in 39, took it to a, an old car meet, a vintage car meet, bought by somebody who was a member of the Vintage Car Club, then bought by an engineering, chief of engineering at General Motors, who happened to bring it in uh, after hours and on the weekends and had a lot of the stuff kind of re-engineered. And just a gorgeous, gorgeous car. Sold for over $4 million. It's the most expensive car of, uh, of Scottsdale. Uh, and, you know, who would have predicted a 1912 car? Number one, had all that excitement. And number two, 
here's the thing. We'll get excited when we have a car that has a history back to 1967. I mean, it's like almost unbelievable. This car has a known history back to 1912, 111 years. Wow. So, a neat, neat car. Now, do you know much about how the uh, the engine runs in that thing? Because I'm looking at a picture of it, and I'm I'm having trouble figuring out what's going on here. Is it an eight-cylinder? No, is- it's a 500 uh, horsepower. I'm sorry. It's a it's a 50 horsepower, 500 cubic inch engine. <laughs> is it a four-cylinder yeah. with with two? No, back in the day. Yeah, back in the day, that's what they did. And so, balancing those things is tough. I saw. Well, Donald Osborne, I saw him going out on a ride in it. I saw another guy going out on a ride in it. You could definitely put a nickel on the radiator of this thing, and it wouldn't uh, wouldn't uh, fall off from the from the uh, from the vibration. It oh was just gosh. dialed in, uh, just dialed in. It's got the yeah. spark plug sitting in the top. There's eight spark plugs, and it looks like there's two going into the cylinder, and I guess maybe two that are in the exhaust or pre. I don't know what the hell's going on there, but it just looks cool. When four, when four spark plugs will work, why not use 12? Right? <laughs> <laughs> <Absolutely>. Fire! <laughs> I mean, you know, this, this, this is one of the best of the brass era cars. And if you're looking for a car with a history, it was owned by uh, Craig McCaw, you know, famous collector. The names on this car are just, you know, off the charts. So it was, it was cool. Fantastic. Greg, what was your favorite? Well, uh, Dave stole my pick because that car was really cool and the provenance was incredible. But um, I mean, if I had to pick something different, there was at, also at Bonham's there a 71 Corvette ZR2 that uh, participated in the Targa Florio. I mean, you know, as a Corvette guy, you know how special the ZR2 yes, I is, do. how rare that is. I mean, that, that's just incredible to start with. But a car that's actually seen period competition at the Targa Florio that's just really, really cool. And I I don't think that car got enough attention when I was there, but it was uh, it was really, really special. Do you remember what it hammered for? Yeah, I have it in front of me. It sold for two hundred and twenty one thousand dollars. Yeah. Yeah, two hundred and twenty one and two Yeah, two twenty one. Change. That's change. that's impressive yep. for uh, for a car of that era that isn't an L88, isn't a ZL1, uh, but the ZR2s are special, and there weren't that many of them. Not that many managed to make it out of St. Louis. So, guys, yes. the new quarterly issue of the Haggerty Price Guide Ooh. dropped a few weeks ago, and sadly, it will be the final print edition of the Price Guide. So. Folks, if you got them, hang on to them. That's a collector's piece right there. <laughs> what were the big movers? Who won? Who lost? And uh, what was surprising? What uh, what came what came up that uh, you wouldn't have su- expected? Well, I think uh, I'd like to just start off by saying that uh, reassure everybody that. Uh, just because the printed price guide is going away, we are still. Uh, Pedal to the metal, supporting the uh, the online valuation tool, which we're still updating quarterly. So just because the print guide's going away doesn't mean that uh, there's no more Haggerty valuation. And I would uh, imagine part of the reason for the print guide going away is you've expanded the online edition so much that the thing would start to, you'd probably have to print it in volumes. It, I mean, it would look like an encyclopedia. Um, and, you know, just, uh, just, Printing that many pages and with the amount of uh, printers going away that uh, are that have the capability to handle that. Uh, I mean, there's 
it's only a handful of printers left that'll even talk to us about uh, printing a, a guide of that size. It just made sense to uh, to say, hey, now's the time. Let's uh, let's shift and uh, and go all in on the uh, valuation tools. So, who were the big movers in this last price guide? Uh, big movers, anything affordable, to be honest with you. But um, if you want some. If you want some surprises, uh, you, you know, the kind of the bulbous Chevy Caprice Classics, uh, those did really well. Those went up by 36% wow. over the last book. Um, you know, I, I think that there's they're finally getting some recognition as being old and therefore collectible. I mean, we all remember the time where every single one of them was a patrol car or a fleet car yeah. or... Uh, a taxi cab, or it was in your neighbor's driveway, and now they're getting uncommon enough, and they're all 25 years old or older, so they're by default collectible now, which I always thought they were cool, but I think more people are thinking that now. All right. So, yeah. um, you know, it wasn't, uh, you know, uh, frankly, it wasn't a, uh, it wasn't a, um, uh, you know, a, a, a big mover book. I mean, there were some things, but, uh, um, there was more, you know, kind of fill in stuff like Greg said that I can, that I can recall. Um, there wasn't a, you know, that I remember, uh, uh, an OMG moment with, uh, with what was going on. I'm trying to remember what was down. We did have, uh, um, a couple surprises down a little bit. Weren't uh, Broncos down a bit? Broncos came down a little bit and I'll, I will say there's, uh, there's a little asterisk there that, uh, it's, stock Broncos uh, went down yep. by a little bit. Uh, modified Broncos are absurd, but uh, I, I think that the market for a just a driver quality stock Bronco, people are going, okay, this is about it. Um, and they only went down by a couple percent. It, nothing earth shattering. Actually, nothing that uh, went down went uh, lost more than 10%. Uh, so it was really a book of uh, either maintaining or upward movers, and all of our big movers were cheap, cheerful, affordable cars. Oh, yeah, yes. we had uh, um, Volvo 240s were up 38%, mm -hmm. uh, 81 to 93. The Chevelle Laguna S3 up 40%, wow. 73 76. Mitsubishi and Chrysler Conquest, same car, 43%. I love And here's those. one for you. The Maserati by Turbos went up forty five percent. So they went no. from six thousand dollars to eighty five hundred. No, those craptastic. <laughs> oh, I can't believe that. I can remember when people would almost give you one of those just to get it out of their driveway. <laughs> well, my, my very favorite story was I bought one. I bought a package of four cars, and I was so proud of it. I loved it. It was black with tan leather. It's just you know, maybe. It was probably an 85, and we're probably talking about 89 or 90 when I got it. And, you know, it only had 36,000 miles on it. My wife's friend from childhood comes in. She's joining us for dinner. She parks behind it, and she goes, is that a, a, a Maserati Corolla? And like, oh, my God. It, it looks just like a Corolla. So, you know, <laughs> all the air went out of that balloon. So. <laughs> Maserati. Yeah, I right. Exactly. I used to daydream about buying one and having it run, and that's the dream part of it. 
they are so plagued and fraught with problems. I'm amazed to hear that they've come up in price whatsoever. Uh, well, I mean, you know, we're talking about the survivors here, and so they get more rare by the day. Yeah, they do. Know? They certainly people, do. People uh, start up and don't have a fire. You know, they, they're. Uh, you know, um, yeah, they weren't. They weren't the epitome of Maserati build quality. As a matter of fact, a friend of mine uh, stopped by the other day, and he said he was at the Maserati factory about a year ago, and he kind of conned himself into a tour because he'd owned multiple Maseratis and kind of was able to prove it to him. And they said, "Well, the, you know, the tour's not going on." And they asked him what he owned, and he listed some really good cars, you know, a Mistrial and this sort of thing, and a contemporary car. And he said, yeah, I also had a uh, bi-turbo. And he said, you could see the two people's just, you know, going, you know, <laughs> in, embarrassed about the car. Uh, knowing full well they owed him a sympathy card. If you ever want want to take your, if you ever want to put your Italian mechanics kid through an Ivy League school, buy yourself a few uh, buy turbos. So see the other one we didn't talk about was O four O six Dodge Ram SRT ten. That's up. I'm sorry, down thirteen percent. Right. Wow, I I find that a little surprising. They are interesting trucks. I I will tell you, sometimes the the market goes down a little bit because. The cars that come on the market are not the quality that we've seen before. Sure. And so it's very hard to catch that because a lot of times we get a report about it or we'll read about it but not be able to put our hands on it. And somebody tells us it's a better car than it is or vice versa. So, I mean, you know, look at the look at year over year a lot more than you look, you know, quarter to quarter. So, uh, but I, I think those genuinely took a little bit of hit because they got so hot so fast. If Either of you were in the market right now, and Dave, I suspect you always are for something. Greg, you may be as well. If you were in the market right now, what would you be hunting for? You know, I right now I think the I think classics are still a little bit too hot for my liking. But if uh, if I was going to go buy something and have a little fun with it, and maybe cross my fingers that I could sell for more than what I paid for it. The uh, GR Corolla looks really uh, attractive right now. I think that's going to be a hot commodity until uh, enough supply starts uh, hitting dealerships. I I think that those are going to go for more than MSRP for the foreseeable future. So hot hatches. Hot hatches. Yeah, there's three models of the new uh, GR Corolla. There's there's basically almost a full-on race car with no back seat. And kind of a middle option, and then the you know the family one basically. But all of them are selling for above list. I, I asked a friend of mine about getting one, and after he stopped laughing, he said, "Yeah, that's not." <laughs> um, I'm kind of looking into. I don't have the money, and so it's not going to happen anytime soon. But a uh, uh, Mercedes AMG GT, uh, yeah. kind of 2017, 18, 19. Uh, can't afford the 2021s, uh, but uh, I think they're a hell of a nice car. Um, I've, you know, I've never driven one actually. I have, I've been, I writ I rode in one. Uh, I like the cockpit, cockpit feel. It's, you know, kind of that, you know, big center stack type of thing. Uh, some people don't like it, I guess, but I think they've got a lot of room to go. Um, you know, they were only a buck and a quarter new, only 125 to maybe 145 new. Um, and they're holding their own in the used car market. I'm happy to get one with 40,000 miles where everybody mm-hmm. else is chasing down the, uh, you know, the unicorn 8,000 mile one, because if I get it with 40,000 miles, I'll only put two grand miles, you know, two grand a year on it, the very, very most. So after 10 years, it'll still be reasonably low miles. So, uh, 
Yeah, that's what I'm looking for. Funny you should bring that one up. Our uh, our friend Ped Watt has a soft spot in his heart for those, and I think he's been hunting them. And every time they tick up a little bit, you can see it. It gives him a new twitch. (laughs) 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 So do either of you have new toys since last we spoke, or have you been hanging hanging on to your money looking for a bargain? I've been hanging on to my money paying bills. <laughs> um, no, I actually, I haven't bought a new car in quite some time now. Um, uh, you know, if, uh, if the summer goes well, I think I will be in the market for something. But uh, uh, right now I've got three cars up for sale and I want one of those to sell before I, uh, uh, you know, before I move into something else. Maybe what, two of them. What are you liquidating? Uh, 79, um, VW Beetle with, uh, 3,900 miles. Oh my goodness. Uh, yeah. I've got, uh, believe it or not, an Avanti and, uh, I have a very special Bentley that, uh, we're going to put back on sale in a little bit was, uh, um, owned by the, uh, Sultan of Brunei's family in, in Los Angeles. So it was never, you know, never a car that went to Brunei. It's kind of a neat car. Greg, I've seen that car in person. It's it's pretty incredible. Does that have the chandeliers up on the front bumpers? <laughs> no, 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 no. That's the Elvis edition. Oh, very uh, good. Okay. How about you, Greg? Anything new in your garage, or are you still hunting fun stuff? Um, I I bought a new daily, and so I went out and bought a 2022 GMC Canyon with the AT4 oh. package, and oh. I'm incredibly happy with it. Nice truck. He wanted something to match the snow, so he got it in white. But, yeah, uh, it's called Michigan camouflage. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's right. I've seen a lot of pictures of you out doing cold stuff on snowmobiles, and all I can think is, what the hell are you doing? You know, when, when you grow up in it, it's it's not so it's uh, not so bad. I mean, it hasn't been below zero when I've been out for once, so that's uh, that's good. But uh, yeah, um, if uh, if you live in in the snow, you gotta embrace it. Otherwise, you're gonna be miserable. Yeah, no, not doing that. <laughs> that looks entirely too cold. All right, finally, will we get to see you guys down in Amelia? Absolutely. Yeah, yeah I'll be there. I'm gonna go. Uh, actually, I'm leaving this uh, this weekend. I'm sorry, next weekend to go to uh, Boca Raton and then uh, uh, driving from Boca to uh, uh, to Jacksonville up to Amelia Island. So uh, I'm going to spend some quality time with some friends in Florida. So I'm looking forward to that. Good deal. Look for nice. me. I'll be down there covering RM for Sports Car Market. We've been speaking with Dave Kenny and Greg Ingold of Haggerty. Guys, can you take a minute and tell everyone uh, where they can find your websites and social media? Uh, yeah, um, I'll do my personal one, which is usappraisal.com and, uh, uh, you know, getting a divorce, call me. Um, but, uh, <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> wow. That seems to be very popular. Oh. That's all. That's it. Very popular. This week. <laughs> um, but, uh, um, yeah. And of course, Greg, you've got all the, uh, uh, you know, I also write for Haggerty Insider, so you can find me at Haggerty Insider. I also write for Magneto Magazine and uh, uh, for um, Octane Magazine, both British magazines, so that's fun. I pretend to be intelligent. And, you know, when you say anything in a British voice, you sound smarter. Quite <laughs> right. <laughs> this is true. Greg, where can we find you online? All right. So uh, you can see our work at uh, Haggerty.com slash valuation tools. I uh, encourage you to check it out if you haven't uh, yet. Um, I also write for 
Haggerty Insider. You can find me there. You can also find me on Haggerty Media, usually talking about uh, something car market related. So, uh, uh, yeah, check it out frequently because I'm always putting something up. Gentlemen, nice. yeah, great. Greg does a really good job. I don't know if you've been following his writing, but he does a he does a great job, kind of as an explainer, saying why this is happening and why that. So you should uh, you should follow him and uh, and uh, say nice things about his writing. Okay? We absolutely do. <laughs> Thank you, guys. Thanks again for being with us. It's always a pleasure. Thank you. I love having Dave and Greg on. They just make the show easy. You know what? They're good guys, and they have great information. So what a combo. They really do. And And they're hell of Americans. I'm tired. I'm I'm sad to see the printed price guide being retired. Yeah. But I get it. It's getting bigger and thicker, and the the font is getting smaller, and I'm having to wear stronger glasses. <laughs> uh, but they've just they've expanded that price guide so much, especially online. They have so much new information they couldn't possibly get it in one volume. Well, yeah, you know it's a it's a hunk yeah. even to hang on to, and then uh, now you'll be able to take it with you because you'll have access on mobile devices. Uh, absolutely, so you can get to it anytime. You you walk up to that house. Getting ready to go look at that car, and you're like, "Wait a minute, how much does this really?" Matter? Or in my case, you're inundated in the middle of some oh, kind of yeah. zoo parade down in Scottsdale, where there's eight <laughs> zillion things going on. It is nice to have access to. Thanks so much for spending time with Driven Radio. We love what we do, and we certainly wouldn't be able to do it without the support of our listeners. Yay. You can find us online at DrivenRadioShow.com. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Driven Radio Show, and on LinkedIn as the Driven Radio Show Podcast. You can also find us anywhere fine podcasts are heard. I am Brett Hatfield for Mark L. Groves. Yep. Thank you for listening, and we'll see you next time here on Driven Radio. Driven Radio.